Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to It is Sabres Live Overtime. It's kind of like a pre-pregame window of opportunity for us in the stretch of a really busy week, busy three weeks, incredibly hectic month. It's going to be an awful lot of fun. Time to get serious, right? When you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily. Self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. So whether... You visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek. The Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens, so you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win, which has been very evident in a particular jersey being worn by this <laughs> uh, blue and gold slash black and red franchise. Um, how does one begin to explain this phenomenon, Marty? Well, first of all, thank goodness for the mute button because I sneezed right in the middle of your read, Duffer. So, I just about but, fell off the chair, so we're off to a good start. So, <laughs> But I muted myself. You you didn't turn your screen off as you almost fell off the chair. So that's a good thing. Number two, um, I love, 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 love how Rasmus Dallin described that maybe they're a bit evil with um, the black and red jerseys. And so... One of my favorite and go-to um, maybe once or twice a year is listening to the, the the soundtrack, I would say, of The Phantom of the Opera. Like, that was my first ever going to a musical was going to Phantom of the Opera. And the beginning of the show, it goes, Lot 666, a chandelier from, you know, and, and so it kind of goes into the whole 666 and the numbers. And then the Sabres scoring six every game in the black and red. And then Rasmus Dahlin saying we're a little bit evil or devilish or whatever you want to say, right? He used the word evil. So I like was blown away. I don't think he had any notion of the 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 the, the six goals every game and the reference to the numbers, but it just to me it just was perfect. And even in last game. Uh, you know, on uh, Saturday, on, on Saturday, Saturday night now, I'm like the word because the busyness, the, the days of the week all blend in. Like at one point, I'm thinking, okay, four two, could they get to six again? And the way the game played out was like, well, they're going to need six to win in the goat head again, and they did. And it was just, I I would say it's fate. Right now, it just feels to me like it's just fate that the jerseys are such a boost of emotions through the fan base and the players just responded to it. Um, did you have a favorite moment in overtime beyond the goal? Uh, there was a lot of moments in overtime and I am going to just look. I, I had so many it's notes not, last it's game. Not a fav- it's actually poorly worded on my part. I will the, say the, this. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the moment where Thompson Tuck went on a two-on-one and then it came back, and then Skinner got a breakaway, and then Brodin got a breakaway. I was like, this is, to me, just the the reason why the league wanted to go to three-on-three in overtime is to be able to give that. And then often this year in three-on-three, we see, like, the circling back and the circling back. Like, this overtime was 
full intense. And I had my back turned to it most of the most of it because unfortunately we're about ready to go on the air and I'm all hooked into my wires. And if I turn, I'm worrying things are gonna unplug. So I'm watching it in the monitor that is like a 12 inch monitor in front of me when I got the real live action behind me. But it was pretty, pretty fantastic. Well, I went back and watched the entirety of it with my girls, and it was as if we were watching it live. And <laughs> the one moment that we all collectively wanted to relive was the moment that felt like it lasted for five seconds, and it probably lasted a second, maybe? And that was when Jeff Skinner left the puck for his teammates oh. who had no interest and no knowledge that the puck was being left for them. That was cousins, and then, right? And then Skinner fell down. Yeah. After, <laughs> and it looked like from our vantage point, oh my gosh, there's going to be one or two Minnesota players with a clear breakaway here. Yeah. And instead they recovered. But that was just a sample of the drama that existed in the entirety of the evening, quite frankly. And we've become pretty accustomed to it now but um you know from from how it all began with everything you know um well the one I, thing duffer i would say and quickly is that i know the league made a change a couple of years three three years back i think maybe even before the pandemic is that in overtime they decided to switch ends right because mm -hmm. they said it makes it harder to change mm -hmm. i get that if you've been stuck in your zone for 45 seconds or a minute but what it actually fed the Sabres that win on Saturday night was the fact that when they went on the attack and then they were tired, they had the quick change because the yeah. bench is in the attacking zone. So three times in that overtime period, I saw players where they would have had to have skated all the way back to the, the farter's bench usually, and that would have led Minnesota to maybe getting an opportunity. Instead, they're able to go to the short bench and quick legs jump on the ice. And really, it happened on the game-winning goal, right. right, where Peyton Krebs jumps off the bench and he's jumping right in. So what is, in theory, supposed to hurt you in your change, help mm -hmm. the Sabres three times in that game. I'll give hockey ops some credit. I'm assuming that they thought of the positive of it too, in that it does create a little bit of a lacrosse backdoor front door type situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, um, and, and speaking of the bandit setup, big win in Georgia, 18 to nine. Let me say this weirdest thing statistically in the NLL right now, the bandits have played four games. How many goals do you think Dane Smith has? One, four. Total. Yes, four. I was yeah. gonna say, but he it's leads low. the league in assists and he's second in points. So, how many goals how that goes. uh, Josh Byrne had in that? He's got fourteen, uh, and yeah. uh, Dioga's got twelve. It's been a really, really good start. Um, yeah, and amazing, obviously, sports weekend. So that that was kind of tying in with the whole emotion of 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 Saturday, and and now moving forward, though, this is oh, holy cow! Philadelphia, Seattle, Winnipeg, Nashville. Um, Flyers got it handed to them a little bit at home on, on Sunday. So there will be the typical Philadelphia drama that follows them into, you know, um, a game like tonight. Um, I, I'm reluctant to start with Dalene only because we always talk about him. And yeah. I was so happy that Don Granado singled out Owen power because yes. how about this? Owen's been over 27 minutes four times this year, okay? In Darlene's first three seasons, 
He was over 27 minutes three times. <laughs> and you know why this is interesting to me? Because, first of all, this team is much better than those teams, yeah. which means the minutes are actually meaningful, but it's recognition from the coach and coaching staff that your best chance to win is with players like this because of how they're playing. I thought oh, Owen Power was terrific on Saturday. He was terrific. You're right. And he actually, he was terrific in, in Washington, I thought, especially on that shift that led to the Tyson Joe's goal. That was yeah. another big performance by Casey Middlestad in that game. And I thought Casey was really good against Minnesota on Saturday, but power. Yes. Um, the goals will come eventually that Don Granado always will keep saying that, right? The goals will come. But the things that Owen Power does on the ice and his ability to close in on plays. And look, I was listening to John Tortorella on on uh, uh, Sunday night, right after their loss. And he kept saying, oh, our sticks were terrible. Our time and space was terrible. Our defensive game was terrible. These are things that coaches notice that you pay attention when you single out a player. Watch Owen Power most nights. And I'm not going to say like, okay, all of a sudden. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But most nights, the ability to be right in a striking distance to a player that receives the puck and with his length, with his edge work, with his body control, to be able to close in and take that time and space away is, is amazing. So, yeah, obviously, Owen Power... I felt has been great. And and it goes back to also what Don Granado and his coaching staff are doing. When you mentioned Darlene only three times in his first three years, over 27 minutes is they went back to, Oh, well, we have Rasmus Ristolainen. Let's keep playing Ristolainen. Let's keep playing what we are comfortable with. Let's not go out of a comfort zone just yet. Don Granado is like, well, let's go out of our comfort zone here because he's, a number one overall pick, and he's one of uh, the the best players we'll have. Let's keep giving him minutes, and let's see how he responds. And he does. Let's go out of the comfort zone and play Tage at center. Let's go out of the comfort zone and play Quinn and Paterka with Cousins. Like, let's go out of the comfort zone and have Peyton Krebs center Gergensons and Oposo. Let's that that out of comfort zone is the attitude right now that I feel that the Sabers have, and they didn't have in the past, and that's a big difference. Right. And most of the guys you just mentioned, as everyone knows, extremely young. Um, Darlene, by the way, 16 times so far this year, over 27 minutes. Matias Samuelson, four times over 27. So those are the the leaders of the group, which, again, is no surprise. And um, obviously, with Henry Yokoharu getting close, um, that could help balance through the group of four here, potentially, uh, in this run of 13 games in 22 days. Well, what is the one word like for Darlene now after that performance? Because these as as much as statistically, look, it's a career night. So you could say it's a one off because it was a five point game, but nobody gets nobody thinks <laughs> like that with Darlene because he's just created he's he's raised the bar yeah. so much for what he's capable of within any given game. Well, the thing with Darlene is that getting five points in a game could be random, right? It could be just the right place, the right time. I I pulled up a list of all the times that's happened since the 0-4-5 lockout because the offense has been up. So I'm like, well, maybe there's more times that happened. 
I saw names like Alex Picard. People are gonna people are gonna say like, who is Alex Picard? Well, you know what? He was a a, a prospect defenseman with the Flyers, and he got five points in a game. Like it could be very random. Since Darlene has been in the league, it's only happened four times that a defenseman's had five points. Tony D'Angelo, Matt Grizzlick, random. Mm-hmm. Adam Fox and now Rasmus Dali. So it could be very random. You're not seeing Kale McCarr on that list. You're not seeing Eric Carlson on that list. You're not seeing Roman Yossi on that list. There's a lot of players that you're not seeing on that list because getting five points is unusual. And it could be just a matter of luck at some mm-hmm. point. With Dalene, there's no matter of luck and is getting five points. There's a matter of he is that good. He's that list of four with Darlene, Adam Fox, like, like Adam Fox, Norris, one of the best offensive defensemen. I think Darlene is matched that offensively and has a better all around game and a better physical game than Adam Fox. That's where it makes me go to now because he's been able to put himself in such a platform. That's unique. So um, what's next (laughs) for him, for the group? I I mean, we're, we're in it now here in the sense of this schedule. So how do you feel they're going to navigate this? Um, you know, knowing everything, you know, the fact that the reality is people are looking at the standings yeah. for the first time in forever. Presumably that is well understood by the players also. <laughs> um, you know, take us inside of all of this. This seems like a lot here all of a sudden and all of it with great excitement and enthusiasm. So I used to love having the standings in the locker room or in the weight room or in the lounge when I walked into a room, right? And I would be like, oh, where are we? Where we need, do we need to go? But I was reminded that that only works in teams that are competing. And maybe the last few years, it wasn't good for the Sabres. Or I remember it wasn't good when I was with the New York Islanders to walk in and always see the standings and you keep dropping, dropping, dropping. Now, I mean, I look at where the Sabres are at and I know the game in hand are a factor here, right? Everybody's talking, well, there's no way there's going to be four teams from the Atlantic. Are you serious? Like the Sabres are right there knocking on the door. They have game in hand, games in hand, but 12 games in three weeks. That is where it all comes down to. And I, yes, February, March, very important two months, but how you set yourself up in the next 12 games is so, so important. And and yes, um, I think you got to give the Islanders and the Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins and everybody a run for their money, and that's the time to do it. You have to be that freak train mentality that they hear the choo-choo come in from behind, and it's like, look out, here comes the Sabres. And it's not just they're winning the games 2-1. They are doing, like, unbelievable things. So... So that's what's next. That's the attitude, right? And and yeah, I I it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be incredibly hard. But but man, do I want to see that challenge put in front of them because of what they've been able to do? So who can help the cause the most right now beyond what we see night in? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is there somebody that you see being able to step up here and and add to? the team success, which is, you know, winning eight of the last nine. Okay. I'm going to say Casey middle stat for me. And because I'm, I'm talking, you're talking about helping the cause like Thompson Skinner, tuck, 
they're, they're the cause. Like they're not going to yeah. help it more. They, they right. are the cause, exactly. right? And Darlene yep. is the cause. Mm -hmm. And UPL and Craig Anderson and, and have been part of the cause. But we, we talk so much about where's that secondary uh, scoring. Uh, at one point it was, you know, Paterka, Quinn Cousins. Um, it's a lot to ask mm -hmm. Paterka and Quinn to always be the helping of the cause. But, you know, we were in the locker room Saturday morning. And we, you and I both got a, a chance to talk to Casey Middlestat. And, and when we walked out, you said that Casey's got something about him. Like he's got that comfort and that, that feeling that he's, I don't know. There's, there was a maturity an excitement. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I totally agree with you on that one. And, and we saw it the last two games, how he is taking a step forward. Mm -hmm. I, I want to keep seeing the steps forward. Uh, and I think that's, again, the Granado effect. He's been patient with KC. He's been putting him on the power play, giving him opportunities to feel good about it. So to me, it runs by Casey because with Casey's play, then goes Victor Olofsson and Tyson mm -hmm. Jost. And they, they he, he's on the wing, although he's he was a center, he's on the wing. But I feel like he's the leader of that line, in my opinion. Yeah, Victor is is very interesting too. I know we'll probably discuss it many times, including on our pregame coverage on MSG. Um, if if he can, you know, because I I think back to last year, you know, and obviously health was a part of it, but the drought went on so long, oh, right? If they can yeah. just if 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 he can tap in to exactly what you're saying, which is more engaged line mates, you know, a collective feeling where you don't like, it's, it doesn't feel like it's all on you all the time. Like I'm Victor Olofsson. I have to, you know, I've got to do this. I've got to use my shot. Um, I, I feel like he can really benefit from a Casey Middlestat playing an improved game. Um, I mean, fact of the matter is the guy's on a 30 goal pace, you know, for, for, for all the questions about, <laughs> everything you know like where's the balance where's this where's that um he's on a 30 goal pace and there's one would think room to play even better right yeah well a lot of people will ask how i always ask how how many and that's the thing with victor now you can break it down with the empty nets and you know situational goals but he that, that was a big goal. That was a big two goals, really, in right. the Minnesota game. And that, to me, carries forward. Now, how do you how do you carry it forward? How do you put it on your back and carry that forward? Is the, like KC, after the Washington game, carried it forward. He put it on his back and said, I got to keep going that way. Uh, and I've seen that from a lot of players in this in this team. Now, I want to see it from Victor. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, on pace for 30 goals, there's, there's players that would say, I don't care if they're 30 empty net goals. I get a 30 next to my name at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. That's pretty significant. So, yeah, Victor, to me, is uh, is going to follow Casey, hopefully. Uh, but, again, I think Casey's the leader for that one. Well, we had a chance to talk to Kevin Adams on Saturday. Um, obviously, the goaltending topic came up. Yeah. You're as we wrap this up and, and begin, again, this intense stretch of games and everyone asks right like this is the question around town is what are they going to do with all their goalies <clears throat> so having heard what kevin said to us on saturday 
reading body language, using all of your years of instinct and knowledge on this topic. Um, how do you see this playing out? It's a very fluid situation, Duffer. We have to evaluate day by day. No, I'll say this because three weeks ago, a month ago, I would say, can't have three. Three sucks. It sucks to be three goalies. But now there's a way to incorporate a three goalie situation for a little bit, short term, and see where the big picture is. The big picture is not just this year. It's long term. You know that long term for next year. Uh, in my opinion, it's Comrie Ukopekalukunen. So, can you get an advanced look at that and see how that works? Unfortunately, it would be to the uh, putting aside of Craig Anderson for a little bit, but he still has a big role and a big impact on this team without having to play games. Um, so, yeah, I would say they're going to have to give Eric Comrie some game, number one, and it's a it's going to be important games. And, you know, you can't be afraid of saying Comrie is going to play a game here, a game there, a game there, because he's got to be a part of that. And you have to evaluate that. So three for a short term. And then after that, you got to evaluate. Henry Yokiaru is going to come back as well. So that means more roster decisions. Mm -hmm. You may be in a tough place. But as Kevin Adams said, and he said it with a smile, and I'll believe him, he says, it's not a bad problem to have. It's actually not a problem because things are going well. That means that you have tough decisions to make, but they're not problems. Um, so my instinct tells me you go with Comrie and UPL for a little bit, and Craig Anderson is going to take a little step back, even though he's played really well. But he he, I would assume he would understand the situation and know that the team has a hard decision to make right now. They're not waving Anderson. They're not trading Anderson. They're not moving any of their goalies. They just have to buy in a little bit of time and maybe tell Andy, look, you're going to practice. You're going to be around, but we're going to go with UPL and Comrie for a little bit here. But I don't know. I, it's I know, a hard I, one to do. Yes. I know, I know what you're saying, but with Yoki, how are you coming back? Like it is going to cause difficult roster decisions so what then are the decisions in your mind if you're keeping three well the first decision i would think is to um probably wave or send down casey fitzgerald yeah. because i'm looking at the three extra fitzgerald Asplund, and hinnestroza mm -hmm. i'm saying fitzgerald's the first one and then if you have an injury uh, you could always do an emergency recall at some point and then maybe put somebody on IR for one week to buy yourself a week. So that's the one. Now, when Hennis, uh, not Hennis was a um, Yoki Aryu would be coming back. Now that's when you have to take that, make that decision. I don't want to see Asplano and being put on waivers because I think they would get picked up. And all of a sudden you're losing some four depth. But at the same point, do you have forward depth in Rochester that you could say we could call up at some point too? You do, right? So I'm not I'm I'm not their their head trainer either. I don't know who's kind of dealing with maybe some some treatments issues. Maybe right. there's somebody that goes on IR for a week because they've been dealing with a little lower body nagging injury that they would take a week off and you can put them on IR for that. Maybe that buys you another week. There's flexibility there. We've seen teams do that. I mean, 
My goodness, did Lou Lamoriello and Toronto do that to a perfection? Even with the Islanders for a while, there's teams that can just buy themselves a week here and there. I think the Sabres would navigate th those those uh, those waters very uh, very wisely. All right. Well, the schedule is something, and we hope you're able to in enjoy the ride that is going to be, uh, especially this next three weeks and this week alone, Philadelphia, Seattle, Winnipeg, and Nashville. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us here on Sabres Live Overtime. All apologies. You're going to see us again very soon. It's just the nature of the business. <laughs>